Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for Wednesday, October 25th, 2023. I'm coming to you from beautiful Spotswood, Virginia, and, and what a lovely day it is already shaping up to be. What a great day we had yesterday. Frost again on the, uh, the pumpkin this morning, and of course, I'm recording this on Tuesday, but nevertheless, it is so good to be back with you, and I hope that this daily devotional finds all of you doing very well. And on a personal note, I hope it finds all of you in a nice place for fall. Um, as you can tell, I really enjoy the fall season. I don't know if you do. Some people greet it with regret that, oh, this means cold weather is back on its way. And um, I'm not saying I'll never be there, but I really kind of enjoy that sort of thing. Hunting season opens before too long here in, uh, in Virginia, or muzzleloader, I should say. I think on the first, I don't know, I got to get used to all of this stuff. And hey, this year I might actually might actually finally go hunting. I, as you can see, I've got a bear on the wall back behind me, and there's antlers and you know all all kinds of stuff all over the place in here. But I have not been hunting in the six years that I have lived here, and so uh, I got to go get a license. You know, licenses when the government sells back to you a right that they had taken away. I, I get it. I, all right. That, that's the only commentary on that. Um, but nevertheless, we'll see what happens with that. But it's good to be back with you all today. And again, I hope it finds this day finds you doing very well. We're picking up where we left off yesterday, y'all, in, in, in the book of Acts, chapter 15. And I hope that uh, that my devotional from yesterday was not too much of a firebrand devotional. Again, I want to clarify, I'm not pro-Palestine, pro-Hamas, anything like that. I believe that Israel should be supported. They have been a faithful ally, and we need allies in that part of the world. However, the fallen tent of David, as we read yesterday, is not restored by the physical nation of Israel being restored. It's not restored by whatever's going to happen with Palestine. It's not restored by if they build another temple and red cattle start showing up and Pizza Hut offers a you know six dollar sixty six cent special for Halloween and I I don't know y'all look as I've said before John Calvin. And one of the things that he talked about was, was the Christian life. And on one side, you have the pit. On the other side, you have the labyrinth, right? Um, the, the, or the abyss, I should say. The abyss is like the bottomless pit. If you fall in, you'll never stop falling. The labyrinth is the maze. And if you wander in, you'll never find your way out. Y'all, this prophecy stuff can be like these, okay? Um, again, I, I've jokingly said this before, but people... I find two things interesting. They're always looking for the next Antichrist, right? And I remember when I was a kid hearing that Mikhail Gorbachev was the Antichrist because of the, the birthmark thing that he had. But aside from, from looking for the Antichrist, it's almost always that America is the good guy, right? Have you ever noticed that? And, and I've, I've had some candid conversation with people, and I've said, look, if you're looking through the book of Revelation and try to find America, um, we're not the good guys, okay? And this is not about American hate or anything like that. It's about the moral state of our nation right now. So all of that being said, be careful with that stuff out there and realize that the fallen tent of David that is referred to in Acts chapter 15, verse 16, 
that's James, quoting the book of Amos, okay? Um, and as he does that, realize that the fallen tent of David is not about Israel being rebuilt. It's about the church being built. That's why he goes on to talk about the Gentiles coming in and the Jews coming in. That's what it's all about, y'all. Now, in one sense, you might say, well, is all the Israel stuff. I, I don't know if all the Israel stuff is prophecy, but I can tell you one thing. The gospel has gone into areas that previously it's never been into. You know, look at what the gospel is doing in Africa. Look at what the gospel is doing in China. Look at what it's doing in India. Y'all, the gospel of Jesus Christ is going forward and breaking down barriers left and right. That's a sign of the times. Because we know that not only are our days numbered, and we never die one day early or one day late. Nobody ever does. In the same way. God has chosen his church. And when that last person is supposed to be saved, that's when Jesus is coming back, not before then. So if you want to hasten the day of the Lord, if you want to speed up this process, and I'm not saying we can manipulate that, but if you're really concerned about end times, tell people about Jesus, okay? That's how we speed the coming of Christ, so that all those who will trust in him will trust in him. Now, that's the stuff we talked about yesterday, but where this was, the couched was in this discussion over what they were going to do. This is the council at Jerusalem. I've referred to it as the first Presbyterian meeting. Nevertheless, council at Jerusalem, they're coming together. Why? Because Acts 15, 1, some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you're circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. They would go on to talk about keeping the law of Moses, that meant dietary laws, feast, all of these different things, okay? That's the issue. You've got Gentiles that have started coming into Christianity, started with Jews right there at Pentecost in, in Jerusalem. But you've got Gentiles coming in. A group has come out of Jerusalem that has basically said, hey, great, you guys want to be Christians? Fabulous. You got to be Jews first. And that's contrary to the message that they received when they converted to Christianity. So thus far, we have heard word from Peter who said, why are you putting these people to the test? We couldn't do this stuff. Why don't you ask them to do it? We've also heard from Paul and Barnabas about the signs and the wonders and all these things that God has done. And finally, we just heard from James yesterday. James, who's quoting Amos chapter nine, who's quoting Isaiah chapter 45. And he's saying, guys, you can't make them become Jews first because guess what? If they trust in Christ, they're already a part of David's fallen tent. They're already a part of God's people because, uh, and we talked about Galatians yesterday, right? Where it talks about the fact that, that, that the promise was made to Abraham and to his seed, not seeds. The promise was made to Abraham and to Jesus. And so therefore all who trust in Jesus are the children of Abraham. That admittedly, James doesn't say it in such short words, but that's the concept that he's referring to. Now, where we pick up today is in verse 19 with the aftermath. We've heard all the speeches, right? We know from verse 7 that there was much discussion. We don't get what that is, but we heard, we've heard all the other speeches with regard to this whole subject. Now we're going to see what they do. Let's pray and we'll dig in. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us, and we pray for your wisdom in it. We pray for understanding. We pray that we would see how this applies to us. We're not facing the same set of circumstances, not exactly, but we still face those who would add to God's word, 
those who would take away from God's word. Let us be faithful, Father. Please guide us now by your Holy Spirit, and we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. So after James has quoted scripture, verse 19, it is my judgment. This is James still speaking. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. Now, pause right there, okay? There are two things that I want to address. Number one is this. If you recall, um, go back to Peter's speech. Again, we in the council you've heard from Peter, Paul, Barnabas, James. In Peter's speech, Verse 11, Acts 15, 11. After his conclusion, or in his concluding remarks, he says, no, we believe it is through grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are. Peter gets it, right? And he's saying, we're not saved by the works that we do. We're not saved by keeping the law. We're not saved by the dietary laws or the feast laws or the ceremonial laws or any of these other things. We're saved by grace. Grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And Peter gets it right. Now, the question is, after we get through Paul and Barnabas and James, we see James's judgment, all right? It is my judgment, therefore. We'll get to that term judgment in just a second, okay? But first off, we need to reconcile these two. It's like Peter saying, well, hey, we're, we're saved by grace. And then James says, all right, this is what we need to do. We need to tell them not to do these particular things. Y'all, realize what James is doing here. This is not about him saying, all right, Salvation equals Jesus plus abstaining from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from meat of strangled animals, for blood. Y'all, this is kosher law kind of stuff here. But realize something. This is not James saying, okay, um, you know, you can be a Christian. You don't have to follow all of Moses's law. You don't have to be circumcised. That was the big thing, as you might imagine it would be especially for the dudes out there. But nevertheless, I don't want to be crude. It's not James saying, okay, you don't have to do this part of Moses' law, but you still need to follow these other parts. You can't eat this kind of meat. You can't do this. You can't do that. Y'all, that's not why James said this. This is not about James or the New Testament church hanging on to dietary laws. We've been through this. We dealt with this all the way back at Peter's vision, right? With the sheet being lowered with the different kinds of animals. All the way back in Mark when Jesus, when Jesus declared all foods clean, okay? This is not about dietary laws. What this is, is about James and the early church recognizing the reality of the Gentile situation. Y'all, this is a situation where Gentiles are in these areas. The things that he mentions here, Okay, food offered to idols, strangled, refraining from blood. Y'all, what he's telling them to do, and especially sexual immorality, what they're saying here, what James has said is, hey, we need to tell them to be really careful about these things, to refrain from these things, because these things that James have just mentioned, these are features of Gentile society. These are the vestiges that they would have to deal with in leaving society as they knew it and coming to Christianity. The temptation that they would have faced from eating meat sacrificed to idols, for instance. The temptation that they would have faced in this society 
for believing that they would receive power through the consumption of blood. The reality that in these societies, all these different towns, and, and they would have temples to, to different things, temples to Dionysius, right? Temples to Aphrodite. This is when Greek mythology is raising. And these temples would all have prostitutes, and you would go to them, and you would fornicate, and that was a form of worship. What James is doing here is he's pointing out to these new Gentile Christians, hey, listen, these things, these parts of society, Watch out. This is not James saying, hey, you can't do that, but it's okay to lie. It's okay to steal. It's okay to cut. No, y'all, it's not about that. This is about practical James being a pastor. This is about the brothers in Jerusalem recognizing what's going on in the Gentile world and saying, hey, we need to warn these new Christians about these things. That's all. Don't read into it further. Okay, now that's the first thing I want to bring out. The second thing I want to bring out has to do with this judgment issue. Y'all, we have, have briefly talked about this, where there are those that, obviously in this chapter, I've been pressing Presbyterianism because I believe it's the system given to us by God. There are others that believe in the Episcopal system, okay? The idea that there is one man in charge of a large geographical area. People look to Peter. Roman Catholics say that Peter is the first pope. Well, if Peter is the first pope, then you know, what's going on here? Also, what's going on later when Paul has to correct Peter? That's a whole other subject. We're not even getting there in, in our time. But nevertheless, you know, that doesn't match up. Also with James, people look at James as some sort of bishop. And they say, look, he says, it's my judgment, therefore. Y'all, I would agree that James is a bishop, and he's acting as a bishop with a bishop's authority, if it weren't for verses 22 and following. Now, look at what we've read here. When you take all of what we've read up through verse 21, again, what do we see? We see in verse 7 that there's much discussion. We don't find out what that is, but we know that people are talking. They're at the council. They're at the meeting. Then we hear from Peter, then we hear from Paul, then we hear from Barnabas, then we hear from James. And James, when he says, it is my judgment, he's saying, as I look at this situation, this is what I think should happen. It's my judgment that we should fill in the blank. Y'all, he doesn't render this in the position of a bishop, as somebody that's in charge of everything else. How do I know? Verse 22 then the apostles and the elders with the whole church decided who? All right, pause right there. We're going to talk about what they decided to do. But this is what's happening in Jerusalem at this council. It's a meeting of the presbyteroi. It's representatives from all of the church coming together to make decisions for the whole of the church. And you don't see any special emphasis placed on James or Paul or Barnabas or Peter, or even in verse 7 where it talks about those who discussed many things. They're all equal. They really are. I'm not saying there isn't apostolic authority in matters, but y'all, when it comes to deciding what they're going to do for the church, this is a meeting of the presbyteroi. They come together to consider the question. And when it's time to do something, the apostles and elders with the whole church decided. Y'all, that's the system that the Lord has given to us. You know, there's a reason why we are so careful um, when it comes to presbytery 
when it comes to the meeting of the General Synod. If you've ever gotten an email from me, you'll notice that signed at the bottom of that email is, is Patrick Malfurus, and it says Parliamentarian of the General Synod of the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. One of the things that I'm instructed to do is to make sure that we maintain decorum, and that, well, the moderator maintains decorum, but that we maintain proper procedure. Um, and that's to ensure that we do things decently and in order, that we follow our own rules, that we follow our standards, all of these different things. But part of our rules is that when the meetings start, there are no reverends, there are no doctors, there are no professors. What you find in meetings is every man there, every voting member, every presbyter is a mister doesn't matter if it's a, a celebrated professor at a, at a seminary or grad school somewhere. It doesn't matter if it's a PhD minister. It doesn't matter if it's an elder from Salt Lake, Arkansas. We're all misters. We're all equal. Because the authority that we have, it's not based on who we are and what we do. The authority that we have is based on the ordination that we have received ordained as elders, pastors and elders. And that's it, y'all. Do not read into Acts 15 that there's some sort of hierarchy here and that there's lesser beings. And all. No, they came together to decide. Now, what did they decide? Again, verse 22 of Acts 15. Then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They called Judas, called Barsabbas and Silas, Two men who were leaders among the brothers. With them, they sent the following letter. And then, you know, tomorrow we're going to go through the letter. I've been going majorly over, so we're going to end with this today. Tomorrow we'll talk about what's in the letter, but it's a reflection of everything that was decided before. And it's an encouragement. But y'all, do you see how things are supposed to work? That's the application for us today. How are things supposed to work? supposed to work through representatives of churches coming together and making decisions for the whole of the church. They're supposed to work through equality, right? But the way that things ultimately are supposed to work when it comes to one segment speaking to another segment or whatever in life, brotherly concern, brotherly love. Read between the lines of everything that we've been doing the, the past few days. And what you see gathered in Jerusalem are men that are genuinely concerned for their brothers, that love them, that want to see them come into the kingdom, right? And the, but they want to see them go forward and do things well. It's not about turf. It's not about territory. It's not about contrived authority or, or statements by fiat. It's, it's about none of those things. It's about God's people coming together and realizing that they're all supposed to be pulling equally. It's about God's people coming together in love with a desire to be faithful. Now, what does that have to do with you and me? What are your motives when it comes to your life in Christ? What's at the core of who you are when it relates to church life? Are you there as a spectator? Are you there as one who is genuinely a part of that church, pulling together with fellow believers? Y'all, there are many applications, but the power revealed here is one that should never be overlooked, and that is the power of people coming together under the name of Christ Jesus. Y'all, 
Here's a reason why, and I've preached on this recently. There's a reason why Jesus spent so much time focusing on unity. There's a reason why the last thing he prayed for, effectively speaking, in his great high priestly prayer was that the church would be united. It's when we're united that we point to the validity of his message. Because all these things that Jesus preached, that he taught, that he did, if his people act like a bunch of jerks, who's going to follow that, right? The proof of the pudding's in the tasting. And when it comes to when it comes to Christianity, if they don't see Christ in us, they won't see Christ at all, you see. Don't neglect what the Lord has shown us here. Let us all be convicted by what we see on display. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, I thank you so much for everybody that is here and is a part of this time right now. And, and whoever will be, I, I don't know what you're going to do with these things, but I know that you have worked through them and I know that you will continue to. Father, let us examine ourselves, our commitment, why we are doing what we are doing, and let us act out of love and faithfulness with hearts full of gratitude for your many blessings. We pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. Now, one more thing, as I've been talking, of course, I've spoken as if you are a follower of Christ. If you are not, y'all, we can get to this stuff. We can get to this stuff, but... If you are not trusting in Jesus alone for your salvation, we really do need to talk. So reach out, call, text, write me a message through Facebook here. Sermon Audio allows you to write messages to message the church. We will speak because this is the most important thing ever. Again, thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning and it'll be posted at 6 a.m. Until then, have a fantastic day.